Mistakes are a major source of claims against law firms. In fact, many professionals struggle to reduce mistakes, including doctors and pilots. Lawyers are not unique in this way and can learn a lot from these other professions. I'm Terry Garland, and you're listening to The Portable Ethics Lawyer. Today, we're joined by Randy Corrado, Vice President and Senior Loss Prevention Counsel at Alas. Welcome, Randy. Thanks, Terry. Randy, let's start with pilots. Would you tell us how they have attacked mistakes? Sure. The early days of commercial aviation were quite dangerous. Plane crashes killed people at a rate of one death per million passenger miles flown. At today's level of air traffic, that would amount to 7,000 deaths per year. Yet for decades, the fatality rate in commercial aviation has steadily declined. Today's rate is one death per two billion passenger miles flown. This improvement didn't happen because of any one factor. Better equipment, improved engineering, and stricter safety regulations all played a role. But a significant factor in reducing aviation crashes has been a relentless, concerted effort to change human behavior. To reduce mistakes by pilots, air traffic controllers, and other aviation professionals. How did they do that? One major effort was the development of pilot checklists. In 1939, Boeing was trying to convince the military to buy its prototype bomber, then called the Model 299. Model 299 was an extremely advanced plane for its day, maybe too advanced. Pilots had to remember to release an elevator lock before takeoff, or else the plane would stall and crash. But pilots, even experienced test pilots, sometimes forgot, and the War Department nearly canceled the contract altogether. To prevent this mistake, Boeing created a checklist that spelled out in sequence what the pilots needed to do to take off safely. The idea worked so well that Boeing developed three more checklists, one for flight, one for approach and landing, and one for post-landing taxi and shutdown. The industry followed suit, and now checklists are in every cockpit around the world. The universal use of aviation checklists over the years has probably saved thousands of lives and hundreds of millions of dollars. What else did they do? Another aviation program aimed at reducing human error is the FAA's Air Safety Reporting System, or ASRS for short. ASRS encourages flight crews and air traffic controllers to report near misses and guarantees that they won't be penalized even if their conduct might have contributed to the near miss. The idea there is to identify problems that could have caused a disaster before a crash results and to devise ways to avoid those mistakes. Today, over 5,000 incidents per year are reported to the ASRS program, many of which have led to new procedures that prevent or minimize future crashes and near misses. Let's move on to doctors. What have they done to prevent mistakes? Well, like aviation, the medical profession is staffed by highly trained, autonomous, independent-minded professionals. Sounds like lawyers, right? Doctors in hospitals realized that some time ago, they had their own problem with mistakes. In a 1999 report, the Institute of Medicine reported that up to 98,000 Americans died every year due to preventable medical errors. That's more than three times as many deaths caused by car accidents. To their credit, Many hospitals and doctors took steps to reduce mistakes. Like the aviation industry, they adopted checklists. The World Health Organization's surgical safety checklist has produced some astonishing results. For example, hospitals are supposed to administer a certain set of antibiotics to patients before surgery. 
One hospital found that it was failing to do that in one-third of all of its cases. But just three months after adopting the organization's surgical checklist, that failure rate fell to 17%. Even better, after 10 months, the failure rate dropped all the way to zero. The checklist helped them just stop making that mistake altogether. Now, surgeons routinely use a checklist for every surgical procedure. And the benefit isn't just from checking off boxes. Checklists create a shared sense of responsibility for preventing mistakes among the members of the surgical team. And working together to develop the checklist is a great team-building exercise. What else has the medical profession done to reduce mistakes? Some hospitals and doctors have instituted training to improve communication and cooperation among medical team members. Doctors have learned that a smoothly operating, cooperative team approach produces better, more consistent results than a surgical team ruled by one autocratic, supposedly omniscient doctor. Hmm. Anything else? Well, borrowing another idea from pilots, some hospitals and doctors have also adopted systems to identify and learn from near misses. They establish confidential, no-fault reporting systems to identify mistakes that almost lead to a disaster and then design their procedures to avoid those mistakes in the future. And as in aviation, the goal is not to assign blame for the mistake, but to improve patient care by identifying and learning from near misses. So what can lawyers learn from the experience of pilots and doctors? Well, the checklists make a lot of sense, even for highly educated, skilled professionals. This is not to say that all legal matters can be reduced to a checklist. Rather, there are regular recurring portions of almost every engagement, and checklists can make completing those portions quicker and easier. Checklists can actually free the lawyer to be creative, where creativity is appropriate, rather than reinventing the wheel every time a regular task is presented. What kinds of checklists could lawyers use? Checklists can come in many different forms. You could have procedural checklists that list the steps to be taken when filing an appellate brief or UCC filing or when serving subpoenas on people in a foreign jurisdiction, or for removing a case from state to federal court. You could have substantive checklists, such as a list of all the affirmative defenses you should consider when filing an answer, or all the disclosures that need to be considered in a real estate transaction, or all the steps the firm should take when bringing in a lateral lawyer. For transactional lawyers, developing a list of standard procedures for filing statutory notices and title documents would reduce the risks of accidentally filing late, or not at all. For incidents that only arise occasionally, but it can have serious consequences and require a quick response, you could consider having someone research the issue and come up with a checklist so that no one is caught off guard. For example, if you're a litigator and you inadvertently produce privileged information to an opponent, what steps do you need to take in your jurisdiction? What about when you receive privileged information from your opponent? What should you do? So what are some checklists we've seen at law firms? Well, we've seen standard attachments for real estate conveyances, the elements of common causes of action and defenses for various types of litigation, provisions you should consider when settling litigation matters, such as the tax consequences of settlement, and post-closing checklists for transactions, to name a few. What has changed that makes checklists for lawyers so important now? Well, Terry, 10 years ago, we weren't really thinking about checklists as much. Back then, it seemed, most lawyers could take the time to research an issue and figure out what needed to be done, and clients would pay for that work. 
In today's market, it's clear that lawyers no longer have the time or the budgets to do that sort of work. As a result, it becomes necessary to standardize certain aspects of today's legal practice. A law firm's collective experience has to be shared within the firm to increase efficiency and reduce mistakes. Any final thoughts on this topic, Randy? Sure. Preparing and maintaining checklists is undoubtedly time-consuming. Yet checklists are an effective way to prevent mistakes by lawyers, just as they've been for pilots and doctors. Let's give them a try. The other tools, reporting and discussing near misses, and improving communication, are also effective. And one more note. A corollary to checklists and reducing mistakes is to prepare and use template documents, rather than simply grabbing the last similar document you or someone else prepared. By taking the latter approach, grabbing the last draft, the lawyer starts with a document that has already been altered and now omits or includes provisions that don't fit the current work. Templates are standard documents that include all provisions that should be considered from the outset. In fact, they serve as an approved and common approach to preparing documents that are a regular part of a lawyer's practice. Thanks, Randy, for sharing those lessons about how other professions are preventing mistakes. My pleasure, Terry. And for our listeners, let's get started using those checklists and templates. Great. Until next time, I'm Terry Garland, and this is the Portable Ethics Lawyer. This podcast is provided for educational purposes to assist lawyers in avoiding ethics violations, malpractice suits, other professional liability claims, and management liability claims. This podcast does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship, nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. The recommendations contained in this podcast are not necessarily appropriate for every lawyer or law firm. In determining the best course of action, lawyers should consider the applicable legal authorities and all relevant facts and circumstances. Copyright 2019 by Attorneys Liability Assurance Society. All rights reserved.